0: holy arm have worked salvation for him the lord has made known his salvation he has revealed his righteousness in the sight of the nations he has remembered his steadfast love and his faithfulness to the house of israel all the ends of the earth have seen the salvation of our god Joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth! Break forth into joyous song and sing praises. Let the sea roar and all that fills it, the world and those who dwell in it. Let the rivers clap their hands. Let the hills sing for joy together before the Lord, for He comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world with righteousness and the peoples with equity.
1: Sing to.
0: Father, we praise you, for you alone are the source of all that is good and wise, loving and true. Out of the abundance of that love, you created the world and all that is in it. You set in place the moon and the stars. You set the earth on its foundations. By our word, the mountains rose, the valleys sank down. You made everything that lives and moves, things both marvelously small and astoundingly great and you give each and every creature its food in due season. We praise you because you created us in your image and invite us to share in your goodness and creativity to live out of your love. And when we rejected that love, you pursued us and suffered to make us your children once again. We praise you not only for the majestic and wonderful works of your creation that fill us with awe, but also for the ways that you Your still small voice meets us and sustains us when we feel alone, small, vulnerable. This morning, Lord, we look at many corners of the world and feel our insignificance in the face of war and famine, floods and fires. As millions of people are forced to leave their homes and the bonds that mark their lives are severed. We know our limits when we seek the good of this city and are met with more questions than answers. We feel the fragility of our own lives as we suffer with illness and aging and witness their effects on the bodies of our loved ones. This morning, Lord, we especially pray for Jerry McNally's father as he enters hospice care. We ask for your presence and provision for him. We ask that you be with the McNally family as they care for their father and grandfather. May you grant them wisdom and peace. Father, in the midst of all these things that confront us this morning in this place, Remind us that you are the Lord of life, that you have, through the person and work of your son, called us to glorious and abundant life in you. In Jesus' name we pray. Children are dismissed for children's worship. Uh, We'll now continue our time um, with the time of confession we'll first do so corporately through word and song and then we'll have a time for silent personal confession. Almighty God your word tells us that if we say we have no sin we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us yet if we confess our sins you who are faithful and just will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Heavenly Father even as we hear your word We acknowledge that we are often slow to confess our sins and quick to deceive ourselves. We see the sin of others while passing over our own. Lord, have mercy on us. Please take a moment for a silent personal confession. Father, we pray that you create in us a clean heart that you feel your spirit, restore us to the joy of your salvation and uphold our lives and work that you have appointed for us to do. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Please stand for the words of assurance. In peace, I will both lie down and sleep. For you alone, O oh Lord, make me dwell in safety As we have been welcomed by Christ and and by God, let us welcome one another.
2: morning's scripture reading uh, for the Old Testament is from Isaiah 55 verses 9 through 13. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. As the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return to it without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish, so that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater, so is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. You will go out in joy and be led forth in peace. The mountains and hills will burst into song before you. And all the trees of the field will clap their hands. Instead of the thorn bush will grow the juniper. And instead of briars the myrtle will grow. This will be for the Lord's renown, for an everlasting sign that will endure forever. The New Testament reading comes from Matthew five nine to fourteen. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice. And be glad because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. This is the word of the Lord.
3: Thank you, Randy, for reading from the scriptures. It's uh, good to be with you and worshiping and looking at uh, God's word together. Uh, we're going to continue our uh, summer se- sermon series, um, and which you'll see a note in your order called the New Testament Words of Life, and uh, each Sunday during the summer we've been looking at a different New Testament book, and then kind of a key word that helps us think about, uh, that comes from that book that helps us think about what God has done for us in Christ, and so, so this morning we're going to look at the book of Hebrews, and also the key word being peace, peace, Hebrews, in many ways, is a unique uh, book in the New Testament. Uh, One of its key features is that it speaks of angels, priests, the old covenant, the sacrifices in the temple. And it touches on all of these different aspects for the purpose of showing that Jesus Christ is greater than them all. To show that Jesus Christ is greater than all of them. We read in Hebrews that he, Jesus is God's son, that God has appointed him to be the heir of all things, and that through him, God created the world, that Jesus is the radiance of the glory of God, and that Jesus upholds the universe by the word of his power. And one of the things that we learn that what this great one accomplishes, what he accomplishes is something that no other human can do, no other system, no temple can do. Jesus has established peace between God and humanity. This is why He has a name above all names, that he has established what Hebrews tells us is an everlasting covenant where the two parties have been reconnected forever. And so we're going to look at a passage that's at the end of Hebrews that gives a, a blessing, a final kind of benediction. And it centers on Jesus as the one who reveals the God of peace, the God of peace for us. So let's look at our passage. This is Hebrews 13, verse 20 through 21. You can follow in your order or in your Bible. Now may the God of peace, who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the eternal covenant, equip you with every good that he may do his will, working in us that which is pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. This is God's word, and it's given for our good. As I mentioned, this passage is the kind of closing blessing, the benediction of this relatively long letter, and it centers on Jesus as the one who reveals God as the God of peace. And as we think about who God is in Christ, there's there's two questions I want us to look at today to help us move through our passage. And the, the first one is, is how has Jesus on our behalf established peace with God? How has Jesus on our behalf established peace with God? And the second question that we'll then ask is, how does Jesus lead us in becoming agents of peace ourselves? So let's start with this first question. How has Jesus on our behalf established peace with God? And and to help us kind of think about Jesus' role in this, we see in our passage, there's three things that are said of Jesus right away, that he was brought again from the dead, that he's the great shepherd of the sheep, and that the eternal covenant or the everlasting covenant is by his blood. So let's start with that he is the shepherd of the sheep. This title, this image tells us right away that Jesus, in all of his life and his death and his resurrection, he was not acting for himself, but rather acting on behalf of his sheep. Now I don't, I never had any personal experience with sheep, but, you know, you know maybe, maybe you have. But the, the books that I've read, you know, things commentators always tell us that sheep like to wander. You know, they are you know, vulnerable. They are always anxious about their food and water. I always wonder if sheep, you know, are going to be offended by this, you know, stereotype. <laughs> They're known for their wandering, right? Their vulnerability. But we're told right away that Jesus is the great shepherd, which reminds us that we are not alone. That we are not left simply to fend for ourselves. That we have a good shepherd, and the shepherd looks after his sheep. He guides them. He protects and provides for them even saying that he lays down his life so that none will be lost. As we think about this in terms of peace, the the biblical concept of peace called shalom in the Old Testament is not merely a a lack of violence, uh, not merely a, a lack of hostility, but it also means the presence of harmony, of connection, of flourishing. So it makes sense that as our shepherd, that Jesus would do both of these things, face that which threatens us and also brings about good for us. And so I want us to think about that for a moment, that Jesus is both an object or a bringer of peace because he faces that which threatens us and he also brings about connection and good. So first, he faces what threatens us. We see this in the other description, that Jesus was brought again. He was led out again from the dead. He's the great shepherd, and he is also the one who is led out from the dead. So so how does this, you know, fit with peace? Well, Genesis 1 and 2 offers us uh, an opening vision of peace. God in his creative work brings forth the, the world the sun, the stars, and he recognizes all of it as good. He establishes a garden of abundance and security, a home. And in it, God places the first two human beings. God establishes unity and harmony, connection between the two humans and with himself as God. And our first parents lived in this connection and this honor and this generosity. Until lies and suspicions and accusations brought separation. That peace and connection was broken. Sin is described in a variety of ways in the scriptures. It's described in kind of the image of archery, of missing the target and missing the mark. It's a, of travel, that you, you take the, the, the non-safe path, you left the, the right path and veered off of it. Or even thinking about land ownership, that sin is described as trespassing, that you stepped over a line that you were not supposed to step over. But another way that scripture talks about sin is the idea of estrangement, to be estranged. To be estranged is the idea of being separated from that which you belong. To be removed from a relationship or a place to which you belong. This is the story of our first parents. And if we are honest, it's the story for us as well. The Bible's vision of hope in the face of estrangement is this restoration of peace, this reconnecting. And how does that new peace come about? How will God do this? It's Isaiah and the other prophets. They write that there will be a shepherd king, a shepherd king, a special ruler who will lead God's people He'll have many names, but one of his names will be Prince of Peace. As we ask this question again, how did Jesus face that which threatens us as our shepherd king? Early in Hebrews, we read that Jesus tasted death for everyone. He tasted death. He fully experienced death. And in God's grace, he did so for you and for me. We were held in bondage to sin and shame and death but through christ through the power of our shepherd all these chains have now been broken in the face of our bondage and all those things that would seek to hold us or tell us what we are not jesus did not flee but lay down his life think again of the story of jesus our shepherd he allowed himself to be put to death He identified with the unrighteous, that he may enter into our condition. And once sin and death captured him, he was raised up by God. He was brought again from the dead, affirming that he is Lord, God's son, and above all such powers. Establishing that nothing in life or death can separate us from the love of God. You see, as our shepherd, Jesus faces that which would hold us, would threaten us. But not only does he do this work of removing hostility or facing the hostility, he also brings forth new connections. He brings forth new good. And that brings us to this third description of Jesus, that the eternal covenant or the everlasting union with God is established in his blood. You remember that opening garden I just, I just mentioned? It was a place of connection, right? A place in which humans were connected to one another and that they were connected to God. And so what is God's answer for the estrangement that came to such a place? And the good news that we remind ourselves of each Sunday, the good news is that God did not leave us in our separation, did not leave us in our estrangement. but God in his own initiative blessed us and made a promise in his steadfast love that we will once again be his people. And in expressing this steadfast love of God, this initiative to regather us from the beginning of Abraham all through the scriptures, it speaks of God's covenant, that he makes a promise to unite us to himself. And the way that that covenant is eventually spoken of is as an eternal covenant, or everlasting covenant, it will endure, that that union will no longer be broken. And the reason that it can be eternal, the reason it can be everlasting, is because it's based not in what you and I have done or will do, but it's based in the faithfulness of God, based in the grace of God. Hebrews 13, right before our passage that I read, talks about this vision of God's covenant in a really interesting way. In the ancient world, it was common to have walls around cities, right? This was one of the ways that the city was protected. And Jerusalem was like this. It had a great (coughs) wall around it. And the way that Hebrews 13 talks about God pursuing us in this covenantal love, it says that Jesus, that he went outside of the city wall. He went outside of the city gate, and there he died on the cross. He went outside of the place that was established, the place that was secure. He went out to a place that was symbolically would have been the place of marginalization, the place to be forgotten, the place in which you were apart, not in the center of the city. And Jesus did that very thing. He left the city, went out to face his cross to pursue you and me. That's what Hebrews image wants us to to grasp, that Jesus died outside the sea gate to seek and minister to those who were apart. Those who were estranged. That a new connection could be formed. The way to think about this is that he did not take his place with the privileged insiders. He did not hold on to what he had as God's son, but rather he went outside seeking those who would be his people. That means that you and I, as the sheep of God's pasture, that we were those who wandered, who were apart. We sought food that does not satisfy, but now in Christ, we have been found. That we were apart, outside of the city wall, on our own, but Jesus acted to welcome us, to pursue us, and to call us his brother and sister. And therefore, we have peace with God. In Christ, we have not just God's favor, but an everlasting union, For God is connected to us in Christ, the one who pursued us. And this is a possession that is given to us for everlasting. Before we move to the second question of, of how we become agents of peace, I want to think for a little bit longer about what the significance of that peace with God means for our life. We can think about a couple of things, even things that Hebrews, the book, brings up. One being that when we feel ashamed... I imagine that you and me we all feel this regularly well aware of our shortcomings well aware of what we have done or what we have failed to do and in the in the shadow of that shame Hebrews 4 invites us to do something called going to the throne of grace that we can go with with confidence because we have a high priest Jesus who has known all of our weaknesses, He has been tempted in all of our ways, but without sin. He knows what it is to be a part to find ourselves covered in darkness. So we are invited to come to the throne of grace that we may have a clear conscience and may find rest in his grace. Another way to th- talks about peace is through the image of the wilderness when we feel ourselves uncertain about what's before us, that we're afraid, afraid for ourselves or afraid for those that we love because we don't know what is coming. The image that is used is, is the wandering in the wilderness, not sure of where I'll find all that I need, not sure exactly where I'm headed. And Hebrews, again, invites us to find rest in the wilderness coming back to the people of Israel, saying that rest was not found with Joshua, the leader. Joshua could not make everybody feel at rest, no matter how well he led. But rest came knowing that God was with us, that he had fought our enemies and acted to unite us to himself. Therefore, we have hope even in the face of uncertainty. We have hope even in the wilderness. Would Jesus establish peace on our behalf with God? And in doing so, he invites us into a new way of living, and that brings us to the second question of how do we be led by Jesus to become agents of peace ourselves? How does Jesus lead us to become agents of peace? I'm asked to go back to that garden again. Remember, in the garden of estrangement, not only was the connection that existed was with God, but the connection that was there in the garden was between human beings. And so when you think of peace, it's not just that we individually are reconnected to God. That is for sure the case in Christ. But we are now invited to seek out that reconnection with others. With one another as followers of Jesus, but even beyond with our neighbors. And trying to imagine what that restored garden or that reconnection could look like The Old Testament is full of images of peace, full of visions of what peace could look like. And and one of them is from Micah in chapter 4, where it says, The Lord will judge between many peoples, and the Lord will decide disputes among the nations, and all will beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war anymore. Where they shall sit, every person, under his or her vine, under his or her fig tree, and no one shall make them afraid. What a beautiful vision, right? Weapons of war turned into weapons of fruitfulness and of life. Each person finding a place of rest and security, each person having the dignity to receive such justice, and each person knowing it what it is to not be afraid. We're reminded that peace and the vision that God has for his creation is not just the removal of hostility, but it is the blessing and flourishing for all people made in his image. And what I want us to to hear is that knowing that peace with God through Jesus leads us, invites us, calls us to be agents of peace ourselves. You see how our passage ends in this blessing, the the hope of God, that God would be at work, that we may be equipped with everything good for doing his will, that we may work what is pleasing to God. There's a couple of thoughts, a couple of observations for us as we reflect on what that might look like. One is that this passage, I think, invites us to pray. To pray. And the vision for Micah is a helpful guide in knowing what we can pray for. Or another way to say this, what we would hope for ourselves or hope for all of our neighbors. That we could pray and that we would hope that each of us and each one that we know, neighbors near and neighbors far will know what it means to have violence put away, weapons becoming tools of life, having a secure place in which they will not be afraid. Part of following Jesus is to long for such realities in our life and in our neighbor's lives. But a second thing to notice is that our passage also speaks of equipping us to do God's will, So along with longing for that and praying for that and hoping for it is that we can ask again, what would it look like for us to be agents of peace? And I want to go back to that image from Hebrews 13 about the city gate that Jesus went outside the city. So after describing what Jesus did, that he left and went outside the city gate and he died on the cross there. The writer of Hebrews does something interesting. He says, therefore, let us Go outside the city. Therefore, let us go out and identify with Christ. Let us go out from a place of privilege or establishment that we would seek a city that has foundations made by God. This is what the Hebrews writer tells us. Let us not hold on to the privileges of being an insider or to simply hold on to what we have or what we hope to have. But let us go out and see and even join those who are apart. What does that mean? There's probably a lot of things that we could say, but it certainly tells us that peace or biblical peace is not found by holding on to our own stuff, about protecting ourselves. It's not about expecting others to be like us or holding on to whatever privileges that we have. Rather, shalom, peace of Christ looks like Jesus, who went out, extended himself, did not simply keep what he had or the privileges or the status that he had, but offered it to others. Such is the path of peace in Christ. For after inviting us to go out ourselves like Jesus, the passage in Hebrews goes on to tell us, do not neglect to do good. Do not neglect to do good and share what you have. For such sacrifices are pleasing to our God. and interesting yet simple words right follow jesus and in the ways of peace don't hold tightly to what you have but share it do not look out for yourself but look out for doing good this is the path that jesus invites us to walk as those who know the peace of god that we may extend it to one another and to our neighbors amen let's pray Lord, I thank you for your word, and we thank you for its power to speak into our lives. And we thank you for the good news that we have a shepherd, that we're not on our own, we're not left to fend for ourselves, but that we have been united to you in Christ. We give you thanks that you see us and that you did not leave us in our wanderings or leave us in our seeking that which is not good, but you pursued us and took hold of us. We give you thanks and we ask that by your spirit that we may walk in new ways, equipped by your spirit to do your will. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.
1: Will you please stand with us.
3: Lord how majestic is your name and all the earth you have set your glory above the heavens yet you're mindful of your people therefore it is good and right to join with your people on earth and all the company of heaven in the unending hymn <laughs> God's word, we're now invited to the table that God sets for his people. Uh, We heard in our passage that of Jesus that he was brought again from the dead, he's the great shepherd of the sheep, and that the eternal or everlasting covenant is by his blood. And as Jesus gathered his disciples on the night that he was betrayed, he had already told them that he would be put to death, but on the third day that he would rise. He had told them that he was the good shepherd, that there had been many hired hands who would would run away from the sheep, but that he was the good shepherd who would lay down his life for them. And at the table with his followers that night, he showed them by the cup with the wine, saying that the new covenant, the everlasting covenant, was in his blood. This table reminds us today as we gather that our place with God, our our union with God, our peace with God, it never is based on what you and I accomplish or what promises we make. Our everlasting covenant with God is in Christ from beginning to end by his blood. So as we come, we come confessing our need, confessing our sin, confessing our faith not in ourselves but in God. If that's who you are, if you know that you are a follower of Christ and placed your hope not in yourself but in Christ, the one who is by his blood, unites us to God, then come and eat and drink, be encouraged, bring your shame and bring your worry, let God meet you there. If you're not yet a follower of Christ, let this table be a witness, and an invitation to a family, a, a union that is established by God in Christ for you. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this bread and cup. I pray lord that you would uh, use these gifts and by your spirit that you would meet us and nourish us and strengthen our faith that we walk uh, in your spirit walk as those whose heads have been lifted by your grace strengthened by your love we ask this in jesus name amen well, on the night that he was betrayed, after giving thanks jesus took the bread And he broke it, saying, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, this cup is a new covenant in my blood. Whenever you drink it, do so in remembrance of me. For as often as we eat this bread and drink this cup, we proclaim the Lord's death until he comes again. If you're participating in a communion, I invite you to come down the, the center aisle and you can receive the bread and the cup here from the servers. I ask that you go back on the sides. And if you're able to hold the elements, then I ask you to do so, that we can eat and drink as one family after everyone's been served. If you're not taking communion today, we're, we're glad that you're here. I still invite you to come forward. and You can just put your arm across your chest, and I can offer a prayer blessing for you here at the table. Let us now come and receive the gifts that God gives for his people. Christ's body was broken to make us whole. Let us eat in faith. And Christ's blood was shed to cover all of our sins. Let us drink in faith. response to this table of grace, uh, I invite you to stand, that we can pray and sing uh, as God's people together. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your goodness, your faithfulness, and your love. Fill us with your wisdom that we may love you with all our hearts, mind, and strength, and that we may also love our neighbors as we proclaim the mystery of faith. Praise the Lord, my soul, all my inmost being. Praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion. Amen. You may be seated. Uh, We're going to continue worship through a time of, of giving. It's our chance to respond to the generosity of God. And so, invite like the greeters to come forward. Uh, there's a, there'll be a gray basket that you can put your uh, communion cup in, and then also some silver offering plates that you can give a gift if you like. If you'd like to also uh, give, you can see a note in your order that uh, you can do so through the, the church's website or by text as well. Um, but welcome, glad that you are, have joined us for worship today. Especially if you're visiting, you want to say welcome. There is a black um, information pad uh, under the chair in the center aisle. And if you are sitting there, I invite you to pick that up. And uh, you can fill it out and pass it down so you, to know who you're worshiping with. Uh, if you're visiting, it would be great to you know, share that information. Uh, Pastor Brian and I would be happy to tell you more about the church. Um, but one, one note just to highlight is that there is a time of coffee and bagels after the service. It's in the hallway right behind us. So I invite you to stay after. Uh, you can grab a bagel, grab some coffee. Uh, then we can uh, enjoy talking there in the hallway or go out and enjoy the, the grounds of the school at the playground and the tables outside. So hope you can stay after and have a chance to get to know each other better. Uh, Let us continue uh, responding to God's generosity uh, by giving our gifts to the work of God in the church.
1: with us for the doxology. <laughs> Praise God from-
3: and surround jerusalem may the love of god surround you now and always in the name of the father son and spirit amen you may go in peace